0: Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew game in the Numenera world using the Cypher system. Numenera has its own system. The system was developed for Numenera called Cypher. And I've been running a campaign in it called the Fourth Empire, Rise of the Fourth Empire, the Fourth Emperor something like that. And it's an awesome time. I am really enjoying Numenera. I'm really enjoying the cypher system. And I'm digging this campaign. Uh, Yeah, so let's get started. Uh, So this campaign all centers around uh, a band of heroes who happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time when a very powerful entity known as the fourth emperor is returning to the planet, returning to Earth. The fourth emperor ruled some number of mi- hundreds of millions of years ago and was so powerful. This entity is so powerful. It tried, it succeeded in controlling all life on the planet. It is one of a number of entities. The other entities tend to just go and eat planets and eat life. But this one was like, what if I controlled it instead, right? And it came and it tried to control all life and it did so for millions of years and then was defeated by a mutation, perhaps? We're not really sure, but an entity some or, entity or entities or... or something a plague known as the hex and the hex basically wiped it out and it ruled and created the fifth age of, of 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 the time period of the fifth age of the world for some number of millions of years and there's no recorded history of what happened during that period of time and then the sixth empire came around and that's when that's when people got excited about it so a really interesting thing that happened the characters had been kind of navigating this situation of the rise of the fourth empire the, the idea that the fourth emperor is returning and the characters have been navigating this. And then they went to a place known as the Vault of Takrin. And w- while they're engaged in a big fight with a big, crazy construct that likes to rip the ciphers, it will kind of rip your body open and see if you have any electronics inside. If you do, it'll take them. If it doesn't, you just throws you in the corner. Really nasty. Hey, my mom is here. My mom's here right when I'm talking about the giant machines that, that rip people open. Hi, mom. So, so they were fighting this thing, and they were like, this is really bad. And a guy used a Numenera. He used a cipher, a device that he had picked up earlier, and he didn't know what it did. And I didn't know what it did. And so like I rolled on the table and I saw what the cipher was. And then I rolled on the table to figure out what kind of cipher it was. And it turns out when he clicked it, it jumped him and the four characters that were with him, the three other characters that were with him. It jumped forward 14 months in the history of the campaign. They suddenly t- shifted 14 months in the future. And I saw that. And I was like, and this is in the middle of a game, right? And I'm like, oh man, what happens there? So I'm like, let's take, I, I-, I-, I said, we're doing it, right? Like I'm- I'm- I was excited for this. And I, I had them discover the fact that there were 14 months in the future. And then I ran upstairs and I said, let's take a break. And I ran upstairs and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I came up with like, yeah, I was able to sort of turn the dials and figure out, okay, these are what the things that were going to happen and what has happened, Right. And it was really cool to progress the entire campaign, 14 months, instead of the fourth empire starting to like come out of the ground and starting to rise, they had taken over major parts of the world. They had taken over cities. They had occupied the characters' main cities. They had these huge devices known as skybreakers, which were starting to replace the oxygen and carbon dioxide in, in the atmosphere with methane, right? They were trying to change the atmosphere of the entire planet. And that had happened so much so that they could smell it in the air. So I I progressed a lot of the things forward and two of the players weren't even there. So I'm like, those two players actually spent the last 14 months doing stuff while the other four jumped, right? And today is the first day where those two characters are coming back into the game. So we got to figure that out and so it really moved the progression of the entire campaign forward significantly and it's wild i love it right i love this idea it's so much fun to just watch the story just leap forward like that i love it in fiction i've, I've seen a bunch of shows and movies where they do this and i, I always excites me whenever there's like a big time jump because it's like oh what happened it's really cool and the other so the the there was another there was another important point i was going to make about that i love the time jump I love the progression. And the idea that two of the characters were, were there, today is the first day where they're coming back and we have to figure out what they did, right? So there's going to be a lot of like, let's talk to the players about what they think they've been up to, the two that were there. What have they been up to while this 14-month jump has been going has been going on? And it means a lot of progress for for the story. Oh, so there's been one bad part of this. There's one thing that I've, I was thinking about and I was like, eh, you know what occurs to me? And that's that the idea of Numenera, the atmosphere of Numenera. One of the things that really excites me about Numenera is it's the the wonder and the optimism that exists in the campaign, right? That it it's it you're seeing wild stuff discovery and exploration is like the key of the thing and seeing people that are kind of engage in their daily lives with like hyper-advanced technology they don't understand is really cool but it's a very bright atmosphere and then i turn it into this like incredible global holocaust right that i i basically change it into this grim setting and it's like what did i do you know like What's wrong with me that <laughs> that I did this? And of course the irony is I also was super excited for Wild Beyond the Witchlight because I'm like, oh thank god we're getting away from like Descent into Avernus and Rime of the Frostmaiden these two really depressing adventures and now we've got this Wonders. And what do I do? I throw in dreadful incursions from Van Richten's guide. I throw in Ravenloft stuff because it's like, oh I don't want it to be too bright and shiny. So, you know, I clearly kind of gravitate towards these sort of grim settings. But I want to be conscious of this because I want to drop in the exciting f- high f- fun high fantasy stuff. I don't want it to just be this dark grim stuff, right? I don't I want to be careful about that. So so we're going to, you know, a lot of downward beats have occurred over the past 14 months. I want to make sure that there's a lot of upward beats, right? I want to make sure that there's I want to bring back some of that wonder and excitement and fun. And which I think is mostly going to be that the characters are going to make significant progress in figuring out how to do this. I think we're still going to have a lot of fun. I think we're still going to see a lot of neat things, but I want to push it towards back to that kind of wonder of exploration and optimism, right? I want to make sure to inject a lot of that back in because that's the fun of Numenera. And I'm like, I, I just turned into a post-apocalypse Dark Sun game, right? And I don't need a post-apocalypse Dark Sun game Like I've, I can play those. So yeah, but it, but that's kind of like how the story went, right? I wanted to have this big enemy and then jump 14 months. It's like, well, if they haven't been opposed for 14 months, what's going to happen? So, so that's where we start. That that's, that's something that it has occurred to me over the past over the past couple of weeks. We didn't have a game last week. Uh, we had a game the week before. So I'm going to let's get started we will generate a session planning template i am doing all of my campaign planning using notion if you want to learn more about notion you can see in the show notes below there's a link to how to use notion for campaign planning there's also a link to this campaign's notion notebook so you can see all this stuff in action but everybody often asks hey what notebook what what are you using to do this campaign planning the answer is notion i love it i've been using it for more than a year now really dig it it's very smooth It, it fits my style both my style has switched to support it but it supports the lazy dm style very well and I like it a lot. What's interesting is trying to use it for a home game. That's been very different for my for my witch-like game, for example, using Notion. I basically just keep it on a phone and that works pretty well. Sunday. So we have six characters. One of them is out today. I can't remember which one is out. I know, I'm pretty sure that the two people who were out previously are both in and that is Nakia and cecilia so we have bico i think it might be Baiko who's out but i can't remember or I, i'm sorry it might be joe i think jad the shade is out so Baiko is an intuitive jack who rides the lightning i actually still don't have a lot of background he's always everywhere in the fray you know and and i did some like sh- some some stars and wishes but i haven't yeah, has the worst luck with electrical devices and and Biko wants to help nikia so that's something we have but I don't have a lot of background in Biko, and, and that's okay. Some players don't like; they're just, you know. No, I'm just having fun. I don't need to have like a deep background, deep story background. Other people like it, so. But I, but I want to make sure that they have the opportunity. That Pat has the opportunity to fill out Biko's background. Cecilia has a very deep, deep and rich background. Cecilia comes from a race that, and her her form changed. So that's 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 kind of interesting. So Cecilia uh, is from a, a race, from a species that was around when the Fourth Empire was around. And whether or not this species was native and got turned by the Fourth Empire into, into kind of a servile species or was gener- generated by the Fourth Empire, I don't think they even know. I don't think anybody really knows, right? But what is known is that Cecilia's... Her the the race that she comes from, which is sort of like an insect-y kind of moth slash, you know, a moth slash like a like a bee race, right? There's a name for it, like bees and wasps and stuff, that they don't live, they they have a certain lifespan. And after the lifespan, they they kind of turn into something else, and that something else might not be conscious, right? So, and and she knew that it was about like I think like 15 or 16 months that it was gonna last. And now we've jumped 14 months, which means she has bodily transformed into a different visage of herself and she's dying. She's going to die soon, right? And for her, it's like a natural progression, but it'd be nice if she could finish this thing that she started before she turns into this other thing. So she's got like a timer on it. And I think it's like three weeks, but I'm going to talk to the player and find out more about how long is Cecilia going to last? Because that's a big shift in, you know, that's a, a big shift in what's going on there. We have Jad the Shade, I think is played by Joe, who is out. He's a meddlesome jack who exists partially out of phase. So he can, fa- that's handy for a character, for a player that can't be there all the time is he can just phase out and we don't know where he is. Juniper, a cheerful nano who possesses a shard of the sun. Very optimistic, but I think she's starting to turn. Like there's so much stuff has happened over the past 14 matches he's seeing this, the things are, things are beginning to change, right? And I think her optimism, you know, the cheerfulness is beginning to change. The other thing is like letting them change their, their their categories is interesting because the characters can evolve. It's sort of not quite multi classing, but they can kind of shift their 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 descriptors. Right. We have Nakia, Benef- beneficent, beneficent, beneficent Jack, who acts without consequences, played by Jerry. Nakia, we haven't seen Nakia. For all we knew, Nakia and Cecilia were dead. We don't really know, but uh, we met Nakia's mother last session, and Nakia's mother's like, "Have you seen him? Like, you're back. We thought all of you had died, right? And you're back. Where is he? Like, we, we don't know." Right, And I think maybe he's been hiding in the data sphere. SamG1138L, a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel, played by Jay. Right, He is part of an army of machines that was made thousands, millions of years ago or whatever. And he's one that's been released. And that's actually tying into a whole other campaign adventure, which we might tie to. And and there might be some opportunities there. I think think about this. There, There might be some opportunities for like a future thing. So what's a jack? A jack is sort of like a rogue. A jack is sort of a mix between... A, a jack is somebody who can kind of touch on like the the nanites of the world and kind of touch on the technology but doesn't really understand it, where nanos are more like wizards. So you can think of your you can think of Glaive as a fightery melee type, your fighters, your paladins, and whatever. Uh, you have your nanos who are sort of like your wizards and clerics and stuff, and then you have your jacks who are like your rogues and bards and stuff. That's an easy way to think of your your jacks, your nanos. And we have four I didn't realize it. we have four jacks. That's pretty funny. A lot of jacks. But of course our 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 the patron is a jack. So the strong start, they are in the data sphere. Strange creatures. I have my voices. They're getting attacked. They're inside their crazy data sphere tank built by Takran, right? Uh, Takran is getting to be a really important NPC. I was thinking about this. And Takran, so what is Takran? Takran's essentially a lich, right? Takran is a 1100 year old, being that used to be a humanoid and threw his skin and stuff away long ago and now floats around inside various data spheres floats around uses nanos and he was basically a giant chrome skull sitting in a vault known as the vault of takrin where he had a bunch of servants kind of making sure that he stayed alive he has now broken free and his goal takrin's goal is to become either become part of the data sphere the fourth empire's data sphere or kind of ingests some of it. I think he wants it. So it's easiest to think of him like a, a power hungry lich, but he doesn't want to like take over the world. He just loves the data sphere stuff. And it works in the character's favor because the characters are like, we don't really care about the data sphere, the, the fourth empire data sphere. And and he's really powerful. So one of the things that Tacron did, Tacron has a bunch of different views, right? He can take over. Takran can can take over a physical body. He can he can wear a skin and become like, you know, a, a, a kind of a walking chrome person. He can also in the data sphere he appears like a like a quicksilver skeleton, like a shifting skeleton, think of like liquid metal terminator style. And in the physical world, he's often he's he's got a transmitter connected to his intellect. Which is sort of everywhere that looks like the skull of a Terminator, like the skull of a T-800 Terminator, like the, like the original Terminator skull. And it says things. So it's like, it's, you know, it's kind of a grim thing, but no, everyone's like, oh yeah, you know he's really helpful. And one of the things he did is they went into the data sphere and he's like, you know, how do you want to ride in style? And he built them like a Tron tank so they had they're now riding around on like a tron tank through the datasphere while they're making their way to the the temple of feradon and that's really when we talk about where things go so they came back they they 14 months had leaped forward they found out that their town had been that the city that they were in had been occupied by agents of the fourth empire particularly these this race of creatures that was built by the fourth empire known as orgolians orgolians are like sort of half insect half reptile cybernetic beings that serve the fourth empire. They're not the super smartest ones and they don't have any real good connection to nanos, right? So they need humanoids that already have an affinity for nanos. The fourth empire needs people that already have an affinity for nanos to, to do their bidding. And the characters said, okay, well, we want we, we know that Kimley, our friend Kimley is a nano that's in their service. We have this canister of anti-nanites, which can break Kimley's connection to the fourth empire, but still keep Kimley connected, but bring her back to our side. And if we could do that, that gives us better inroads and access to the fourth emperor's data sphere so we can manipulate it. Because the only way for us to stop what's been going on is to do it in the data sphere. It's the only way we can do things at scale. And the scale is so big that they need to have this access. So they have the canister. One of the limitations upon it is you cannot take a canister full of nanites through the data sphere. It's too too complex. And the, the resolution of the data sphere will destroy them. It turns them into sand. So... They have to. So they're keeping the data. They're keeping that in their secret lab, which they have underneath the town of Badrav. This is their hometown. They have a vertex, which is a way to interface in and out of the data sphere. And it's like Tron. It eats your whole body, so your body disappears. You go into the matrix. You go running across. You go into the data sphere. You can re reincarnate, re instantiate. They call it real casting. You real cast back into the real world. At which point you're rebuilt molecularly, then you're physical again, and they can go back the same way. So their plan is, they have a plan, and their plan is. Go into the data sphere, make their way to the temple of Faradon, crack the temple of Faradon so they can get inside data cast, a real cast back in, find Kimley, grab her, hit her with a, a sock full of quarters, grab her data cast back into the vertex, blow up the vertex on the way out. So nobody can follow on the way out, make their way back to badrav to their secret lab, real cast back in Bodrov with Kimley, when they knocked out with a sack of quarters, then use the nanites on the anti-nanites on her and get her back to her side. Right. Seems like a good plan. I, I like it. It's a fun. It's a heist, right? This is a cool heist based adventure. And I love, there's like types of adventures that I gravitate towards. I love heists and I love not dungeon crawls, but I love running dungeons, dungeon, the thinking about dungeon crawl is an interesting thing. That's a whole topic for another day, but like what makes a crawl? What's the crawl part? Is that like the poke the steps for the, every five feet? That's boring. And then it's really interesting to see lots of people who are like, I either love dungeon crawls or hate them. I'm like, I love them. Like to me, they're nice. They're focused. I know where they're going. I can add all kinds of things. I love them. Whenever I can run a dungeon crawl, I'm really happy but then there's other people call oh, god i hate them they're so lame and they're so boring and it's like well what are we doing in the dungeon crawl that's making them lame and boring what am i doing that's making them at least exciting for me and really my players don't seem to mind them they sometimes they do very rarely ever i've run some of the worst adventures ran were dungeon crawls and it was because it was that pacing and it was all downbeats and i learned a lot from that boy that one that one adventure i ran twice that sucked i learned a lot from that i wonder if i learned i probably learned what are quarters and what's a sock yeah it's a that's like a I I probably still have socks right i think socks probably lasted a billion years in the future you still need to wear something on your feet uh and there's probably a bag full of shins right so they're inside their crazy data sphere tank built by tacron the Excagate, and they are facing some creatures this is the book voices in the data sphere voices in the data sphere is a whole numenera source book just based on data sphere stuff they have foot foot covering nanites exactly uh, I think Frame Creepers, I think it was the Frame Creepers that, did I skip the Frame Creeper already? It's a Frame Breaker. That's a Frame, it's not a Frame Creeper. There were these like weird triangle triangles, these guys, Engines, right? Uh, triangular red creatures, they're only level three, so there's not a lot of them, and I was going to have a whole host of these things, so we're going to have uh, getting attacked by Engines and then during the engines i think we're going to have a couple of those big things frame breaker frame breakers are cool the an, a, a few abstracts like maybe you know a handful of abstracts we we'll have 3 abstracts 4 abstracts one blows up and and we see Nakia and, and Cecilia chasing the abstracts. Nakia and Cecilia learned about the return of our other heroes when they crossed out into the wilds of the data sphere on their way to the temple of Right, so we want to introduce the characters, and then I think you know we're, we're right. So, so first is, engine battle. And that's gonna be like learning how to use the tank, right? The reintroduction, the, the abstracts, and then Nakia, reintroduction, of Nakia. And Cecilia. Then breaking into the uh, temple, data datasphere right? And then the heist, the Kimley heist, then return to Badrov, save Kimley, save the world. That's probably good for this session and probably a few sessions after it. So we're, 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 we're already, I've got my strong start. I've already got some, a bunch of scenes planned out. So what are some of the secrets and clues? So, oh boy, I got so many of these, right? There are six geosynchronous I don't know how to spell geosynchronous. That's not right. I'm just going to go with geosync. There are six geosynchronous satellites owned, in the hacker speak, by the fourth emperor. And it's really owned by the fourth emperor's, what are they called? Heralds. These six... So we need a cool name for these. So we already have skybreakers, so that doesn't work. I want a fun name for these things they are oh thank you nicole you're so kind except why can't i copy the text there we go nicole you're a lifesaver Look at that, geosynchronous yay how, I, how, how can anybody spell that how did anybody spell that before they were spell checking that's ridiculous so there's there's satellites there's six geosynchronous satellites to cover each part of the world so they can cover the entire planet with three satellites but they have three, they have three others. And one of the things that these satellites do is they, they communicate, these six satellites allow communication between all heralds. The satellites also, could it be like the eyes, the eyes of the fourth, the eyes of the fourth? Could that be it? Could we call them the eyes of the fourth? The eyes of, of God, that's a little bit, that's a bit much. The the emperor's crown, not a terrible metaphor, but they also they they see the web of heralds. These satellites, a sky eye. Hmm. The eyes. I think we're gonna go with the eyes of the fourth. Allow communication between all the heralds of the fourth empire. The satellites also have a number of inert missiles, like bombs. I guess they're kind of like bombs. They can drop uh, hyper. They can drop on locations and blow things up beholders the crown of eyes the satellites have a number of inert missiles so the idea is like imagine you have this like rod of tungsten that's weighs a few thousand pounds right and you have a way to fire it with such high velocity that when it hits the ground it's like the equivalent of a nuclear bomb without the radiation right and and they can blow up entire, you know, it creates super powerful blasts that can that 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 you know can can destroy entire towns. And they've used them, they've used them before. So they have a number of these, but there's a limited number. I have a limited number of them, right? And and they don't try to use them unless they actually need them. They use them to demonstrate that they can. The heralds have their own, and there's a name for it in if we look at the the terminology here. One of the things that Voices of the data Sphere does is adds a bunch of terminology. Is it the glossary? Travels restricted between two places, in the data. So some require a little more. So barriers, they have their own barriers. I don't know. Barriers isn't a very cool name. Entry frame, Evo. Their own doors. We're going to call them doors. I like door better than barrier, right? They have their own doors. Only they can enter. No mortals, no sentience have direct access to a herald to a herald's node data sphere node right node i think is sort of like a, a location in a data sphere node a large data space a node may be one continuous spacer because there's multiple connected or isolated frames and a frame data space within a node frames have so they're like a room so Think of a node as like a dungeon and a frame as a room and then conduits are like hallways. That's kind of an easy way even if we're going to use a dungeon metaphor, which is nice because, I means there's some solidity to this idea. So uh, no sentients have direct access to a Herald's sphere, node, but so it needs to be cracked. Only one known entity and we're going to was able to break into... Only no one known entity was able to break into a herald's node, the hex, right? The hex managed to break in. I, I'd like to offer, so so when we think about the structure of this, I'd like to offer multiple ways though. like what what is so one way is that like back back when the fourth Empire was around, and there were heralds back then too, the heralds were defeated by by the hex. So we know that the hex can crack them. Is there another way? Is there another another way to break Oh yes, the breakers. So uh, this is a good secret. Oh, and by the way, I'm I'm stealing inspiration from a few different places. But w- Tron is definitely Tron and Tron Legacy, fantastic movies, uh good inspiration. Uh, a lot of my cyberspacey datasphere stuff, I'm stealing directly from NeuroMancer and Count Zero, and probably Mona Lisa Overdrive, which I'm reading, I'm rereading right now. I just listened to the la- the radio play. There's a free radio play for Numenera, BBC Radio, that they did a long time ago. It was really, really fun. Uh, and then I said, I like this so much. I want to recount zero. So now I'm listening to the audiobook of count zero and I'm using a lot of their terminology and their ideas about cracking mainframes and AIs that'll kill you and all kinds of cool stuff. And definitely the inspiration, a lot of the inspiration for data zero came from that. And then another one is, I, you know, I keep falling back to my good old Stephen King in the dark tower series and the, the idea of the breakers, right? Later, later books have these very powerful telepaths who are being used to sort of, break the 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 lines that are are holding the world together break break the 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 ley lines that are holding the world together or the universe together really so so i'm using that but the idea that like the so let's see the the fourth empire has been rounding up nanos to fuel their skybreakers nano nanos are the only ones able to program the nanites required to break the sky. This the town of uh, Scarlet, of Scarlet Watch had a large number of nanos who were rounded up and brought to the temple, one of the other temples. Not Slyandar? Let's take a look at Slyandar. I thought Slyandar was the temple. I don't know if I have anything about the temple of Slyandar. We're gonna have the temple of Slyandar, right? Why not? After all, why not? Why shouldn't I keep it? Where they are being, where they're connected to the fourth emperor data sphere to program nanites. So that offers two options. One, you can go and get the hex, right? And, and if you go to the archive, let's see, a sample of the hex is kept in the sixth. Kept by a, kept in the tomb of the six archivist, right? A sample of the hex is kept in the tomb of the six archivist. The secrets today, I'm not having a lot of trouble with these, that's for sure. So that offers a couple of different paths. If our heroes, could gain control of an eye of the fourth, they could, you know, drop tungsten bombs anywhere in this hemisphere. That's a handy thing to have, including blowing up multiple, what are they called? Skybreakers. It may be worth investigating a skybreaker to understand how they work and figure how to shut them all down. The skybreakers reside on their own layer of the FE data sphere. So yeah, you can take control of an eye of the fourth and that gives you access to a very powerful orbital weapon that you can use however you want to do it but only the heralds i think this is a secret right only the heralds have access to the the let's see Satellites limit number of inner missiles the heralds have their own doors yeah so another secret here is that only the heralds have access to the eyes of the fourth that looks like 10 secrets fantastic location this is pretty easy uh we have the Temple of Faradon. We probably also want to have a fun cyberspacey location. So, as part of this, I made a uh, a new uncovered secret. I, I, is this? I don't think this is published yet for patrons. This will be published for patrons this month. Uh, so, this month in uh, Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets Volume Two, which are sort of uh, one page, more one page guidelines and kind of inspiration to help you with your various RPGs. I've been doing a lot of like, you know, things that don't fit the core fantasy style there. And one of them, let's see if I can find it, is a cyberspace. Let's see here. Cyberspace generator. Bring up a new window. So this is the idea of having, and I need, where are my dice? There are my dice. Things you might find while lurking around in cyberspace. Probably not something you would drop in your D&D game, but you never know. And certainly other games. So let's get a bunch of D20s. So let's have a place that they're going to run into, a, a feature that they that they can find in sort of the middle. They're sort of in this open plane, the, the areas between the nodes, right? It's sort of the wastelands of the data sphere. And they're riding across on their big cyber tank, their big Tron, Tron tank. And they come to an asteroid surface. Oh, so the location has this you know area where it's broken apart. This is cool, right? Oh, I never have enough room for everything on my desk. So sort of like... Imagine an area where like the grid has cracked and is broken and there are like holes to infinity. An aged cracking form of the grid. That's cool. Then we have some features. Let's let's roll up a couple of features, right? Two and a 16, half deleted entities, that works. And 16, a crashed glider, right? Cool, so. Some cool stuff to see there. Any kind of interesting environmental effects? 15 is uh, floating liquid spheres, right? This is very cool. Are there any inhabitants? These are sort of non-monstrous. 18, monstrous simulation. What would a monstrous simulation be? Something that they would see. I guess we could just roll kind of on this thing, right? We'll have the corpse, right? Some kind of beast data they described in so this is just sort of a place i don't really need a fight here but i just want to have a location they might be able to stop and they can sort of hang out and reconnect as characters and it could be in this kind of spot right and i like the idea that it's like and the, maybe this place needs a name right like oh what would be a cool name for this place just like a location a sort of lost location right the lost square the tears we could have a beast let's let's go into numenera and we'll go into bestiary I'll go to bestiary three and let's find a great big monster what if it was a how about the, the the giant simulation could be a uh what are those things called that that big ass monster this guy what's that thing called that's in the core numenera book it's really pretty evocative i mean that's it, it, you see it all the time Dread Destroyer, right? We'll call it the World Killer, right? The dead, so corpse, the bones of the World Killer. So then they're going to, so they, they you know, they're traveling across, they get into the Temple of Faradon and a lot of what is going to be, so the Masta Gophers are now there. I think I can use a lot of the same monsters and things like this, only there's going to be more of them now. But I think I've got this pretty set up, which is like, they're gonna appear in this lower room with the three stars. That's where the vertex is. Probably on that central stage is where they're working on the machine. There's probably a bunch of people, nanites, that are in those 10 chambers. They've reconstituted those chambers and they're now using they're now using them as mini mini breakers, right? They're tr- and they're actually trying to rebuild this facility. They're trying to get the engine working that was destroyed the last time the characters were here. The characters slowed everything down significantly when they blew things up. So, but there's a, a couple of master Gophers. There's a bunch of Araglian soldiers, and we have both so NPCs. We have Kimli. We have what's her name? synad We have. Of course, we have uh, Terrence. Whoops! Come on. The thing with Terrence is is kind of fun. So Terrence, it actually this is something that happened in the last game and it worked out really well. Which is they had learned that Terrence died. That he was during during kind of the uh, occupation of Badrav. He was disintegrated, and the last words he said to to his friends were "Don't worry about it." And then he was disintegrated. And then the characters went down and they found, I actually rolled for a cipher and they found this headband that was like some headband that did something. And I was like, the headband is rigged up to this weird, like Sony Walkman tape deck. And it turned out that inside the Sony Walkman tape deck was a full copy personality of Terrence that he had copied, put the headband on and it, and it made a full copy of his like neural pathways. And now he can be connected to either an individual or to the data sphere. He's dead, but there's this copy of his persona. And so they brought that with them and now Terence the explorer is sort of back again. And I think there's a lot of fun conversations between Tacran and Terence cuz Terence is still very much like a normal sentient humanoid, where Tacran has spent 1100 years as a as a free-floating personality, so he doesn't really have you know, he doesn't really have it. So I think that that is, that is really neat. So in the temple, Kimli and Sanad are ruling or are, are commanding the other nanos to rebuild the temple and get the engine back fired up again. The thing that can can, can connect and, and do stuff because it was destroyed last time. They're, they're still working out. They're probably getting close. And, you know, they're going to hit her with a sock full of shins and then grab her up. So monsters, the monsters are, let's see, we had a couple of data sphere so when they so so when they're traveling across there's guards at the doors right what would the what would the creatures that are guarding the when they get to i guess that's the bottom of the thing uh when they get to the door that's guarding the temple of ferrodon they can crack this door it's probably a level five door right maybe it's a level six door so put this in locations right doors of Feradon. Uh level six. Right, cracking them is level six. Protected by probably a couple of big things, right? A couple of big this Zevs would be pretty cool. Yeah, these are pretty cool. They're cool and alien and weird. And this Zevs are in two sixty two. The keeping keep peacekeeping force of Chi. But I think this'll serve and 262 of discovery right so they have to get past the zevs and then crack the door and that will get them in into the temple do these monsters have stat blocks the cool thing is so yes this is their stat block right this is it this is what a stat block looks like and 515 is pretty much the only number you need to know this is why i love numenera stat block so much because that tells you pretty much everything. These guys actually have a little bit more hit points, but you can just stick with They're level five. What does that mean? It means you have to beat a 15 or better to hit it. They attack as a, with a 15 or better to defend against it. They do five points of damage. In this case, it looks like they do a little bit more. And sometimes you might have them do like multiple attacks. Like I probably give these guys, you know, two attacks each. I don't think I'm going to do this net stuff. I think it's just going to be a straight, a straight thing. So yeah, then they get into the temple, temple of Feridon via the vertex and then they're set. So that's pretty good. Monsters, I don't really need a monster list, I don't think, because I have it elsewhere. So we're going to get rid of that. Treasure, I love rolling on the treasure table directly, so I don't really need to have a treasure. So yeah, so for today, I think I'm set. But I want to talk about, so that gives us a little bit of extra time. You know, I feel like I've got everything I need. And the cool thing is things are really starting to come together. But when I think about a potential path that this campaign can go, I have these... I have these sort of like other little side, my idea jar, right? I wonder when I wrote this, go to weapons cache to arm themselves for coming battles. I think they don't really need a lot of this. This is old stuff. So we're gonna create a new, new stuff. And this is 24 April. So when I think about the path that this could go, I'm thinking about how you essentially traverse these layers. So, right? So so they're gonna crack uh, the temple Faradon. one idea i have that i really a, an, a piece of imagery that i want to drop in here that i think will be really fun is once they grab kimli once they escape out of the vertex they blow up the vertex on the way out and on their way out i think the they're going to see the they're going to see the herald rise up into the air a little bit and then a one of those tungsten bombs is going to blow up the whole temple and their thought is like they don't want to lose a nanite they don't want a, they don't want one of their nanites compromised right they would rather blow the whole place up than 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 have a compromised nanite so as soon as they find out that one of them has this or is on the way out they're going to blow the place up i just think it's a cool image the kimli heist the fe oh, let's see faradon blows up the temple this destroys it completely right it's kind of a cool image, and I, that's when I got right from Count Zero. There's a scene in Count Zero where they're they're doing an extraction for somebody, and the extraction goes so bad that one it's two companies it's a it's like a lead scientist for one company that's defecting to another company and the first company when they see that they're losing their lead scientist nukes the whole location where the extraction was going to take place and they just one dude makes it one dude and the person extracted are the only two people that make it out and i just love that idea that like a company would rather section of the desert that that where the extraction took place than lose one of their one of their key you know key researchers so i think that that is pretty cool so when we think about where they might go where's my oh i have this like new stuff oh yeah i guess i renamed the i renamed the page so crack the temple of Faradon, right crack find a way to crack Faradon. themselves and there's two paths for that get a hold of the breakers from scarlet watch is that not scripting a scene? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, if it, does, but I'm, I'm not only hanging on loose, right? Maybe something could, be, but like the, the players already have their plan. It's their plan that they came up with. And their plan is to grab Kimling and get out. And I think if they, my, my assumption is they're going to be able to accomplish that plan. And then the idea that Faradon blows up the temple of Faradon with a tungsten bomb seems cool. And it seems likely that might happen. And it doesn't actually hurt the characters. They were already getting out right but i just love the idea that like man you know so i don't think that that's too i don't think i'm hanging on too tight with that one because it's not hurting it's not directly affecting the characters the characters succeed right and having the temple blow up behind them is just kind of a cool bit of background right it doesn't matter to them in fact they're happy that it happened but it shows how it shows how the fourth empire and how they other how the heralds are thinking about this Right. Get a hold of the breakers from Skylight. So they have two different ways: Get the get a hold of the breakers or get the Quang Mark 7 from the hex. Get the, what is this? This is called a Herald breaker. At the 6 I'm stealing the Quang Mark 7 directly out of Neur- Neuromancer where they have a Chinese military virus known as the Quang Mark 4 uh, that is an AI killer and i love that idea so I'm, we're just gonna steal that directly and call it the quang mark seven what else so so those are two possible ways then they crack ferrodon crack and own ferrodon once they have access to Faradon, crack and own one of the eyes right that's certainly a path then they they own so then crack and own a skybreaker Use the eyes to destroy the other skybreakers. And at that point, will they have deconstructed? So, how do they, how will they have? They'll want to like disable the other heralds. That's really important, right? Disable the other, disable our own, right? The other eyes. Destroy the. I know I used crush before, but I think I'm gonna do it again. Of the Fourth Empire, So I use spell crush? So one thought is, like, do they? I mean, we could have like a dare, right? Face the Fourth in the outside, in the and the beyond, right? Is it beyond or outside? I can't remember. I think the beyond is the region, right? So. That might be sort of the dare zone, right? Like they, they might be able, this is, this is one of those where like, are you going to force something too much? And am I forcing it too much to like force a fight against the fourth emperor? So if they, if they manage to find out where the crash of the fourth emperor is, this is where the emperor is going to be transcribing, <laughs> you know, sort of data, real casting in from both the data sphere and from the outside. And they just blow it up with a tungsten bomb why do they need to face him, right? So there may be this, like, you know, well, you can always take the fight to him, right? You can enter his zone. You won't be able to bring your fancy-ass eyes with you, but you can go in there. Or do you think that you've stopped it enough that it's not going to take place again, right? You could probably for this generation, but what about the next generation? What about another million years from now? There's only one way to really get rid of him, right? So that might be, like, a fun thing to do at the end. So... So I think that that might work. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, we're going to keep going with these, but these, these this is not it's not exactly an outline. It's just sort of like an idea of stuff that they might do, right? And things that they might go to. And I saw some questions about like, how long is this campaign to go, and realized I don't really know. I'm not sure how long this campaign is going to go. So hard hard to say. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today while I prep my game. I feel good. I'm excited about this campaign. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be an interesting channel because we're going to see how this works. But I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today. And next week, we'll see how things went. And we will keep pre- we will prepare for our next game. If you've enjoyed this show, you can help me out in four ways. You can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You can support me directly on Patreon. You can subscribe to my videos on YouTube or you can pick up any of my books. Thank you all very much. Have a great day and get out there and play a role playing game.